just as we are. I came to Christ at the age of 20, and I had a lot of wrong thoughts, a lot of wrong theories, a lot of wrong ideas and beliefs, right? And God took me, though, right? I gave my heart to Jesus. He gives me the Holy Spirit in exchange for my sins. But he gives me the Holy Spirit in a renewed mind that I might now reorganize those thoughts. That I could now understand truth. Because truth sanctifies. Truth is what enables us to think as God thinks. And since we were created in the image of God, we want to think as God thinks. We were just not created in his physical image but mentally and spiritually. And so doctrines basically are a way to help us to think as God thinks. And in the Adventist church, we have 28 fundamentals that say, no, this is a platform of thinking. This is a platform of how you think about being a Seventh-day Adventist and how it's going to help you in your life to continue to think as God thinks because that's the kind of people he needs in the world who don't want to think as the world thinks. They just want to know what's truth, because truth sanctifies. So let's look at, well, let me go back here. Where are we at? So, okay, here we go. Now here's a question. Are doctrines connected to salvation? Let's look at it here in 1 Timothy 4.16. The Bible says, take heed unto thyself and unto the what? The doctrine, which is teachings, how God thinks. Continue in them. Continue in what? The doctrines, the way God thinks, right? For in doing this, thou shalt what? Both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, granted, no one's going to go to heaven and say, I'm here because of 28 fundamental beliefs that I believe in. They're going to be there and they're going to say this. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is, the, it is the gift of God. Everybody who goes to heaven is going to say, I'm here by the, the grace of God. But let's talk about what grace is. Now, in Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Is this true? Or, oh, does that mean everybody's saved? No, but the Holy Spirit is appealing to every human heart, right? But notice what grace does. Teaching us that. And what's teaching? It's a doctrine. So what's God's grace for? To teach us truth. Right? God's grace is unmerited favor. But God's grace appears to all men to teach them what? How we should live denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see, the, the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit on every human heart is trying to teach them, if I might say, doctrines about how God thinks so that people know how to live godly and righteously when? In this present world, in this present fallen world, not just the world to come. Doctrines are to help us to live a life that is pleasing to God, to have God's thoughts because every action, every habit begins, which is doctrine. It's your beliefs. And that's why doctrines and beliefs become so important, which we make as part of being a member of this church. Because a per person's already committing to a certain way of thinking so that the work can get done. Okay? 
Now, if there are true doctrines and sound doctrines, there's what? There's going to be some false ones. And this is the work of the devil. The devil wants us to have wrong thoughts. Now, look at 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 4. Preach the what? Because that's God's thoughts. That's where you find your doctrines. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, right? For the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound doctrine. Doesn't mean they don't accept doctrine. They just don't accept sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, which is doctrine, and shall be turned into fables. Wow. We need, God needs, to have a church that has doctrine. Sound doctrine. Because most of the world has unsound doctrine. They have a lot of false theories. Just like I did when I came to Christ. Most everything I believed was wrong. But that's why you study. So God can correct that thinking. So we can begin to think as he does. But you're adding one belief, one doctrine, one teaching, one after the other, so you have a framework of thinking. I want you to think about this one doctrine, the state of the dead. Is it true that God created a place to punish people? It's not. But many people believe this. Where do they believe it from? They think they get it from the Bible. That God will punish people forever. Does that affect a person's thinking? And how they think about God. And there's millions of people who haven't accepted God for this wrong teaching that people believe is in the Bible. And this is why God needs us. He needs a church that preaches the truth. Because truth sets people away free from wrong thinking, which leads to wrong decisions. Because every decision you make is based on a thought, a teaching, a belief that's in your heart. And this is why these doctrines become so important. Now, it says in 1 Timothy 4.2, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in when? That's our time. The latter day, some shall depart from the faith. What faith? The Muslim faith? No, the Christian faith. Isn't that interesting? Giving heed to seducing spirits and the, the doctrines of devils. You see? Boy, if a person wants to remain in the faith, what do they need? The truth. They need right doctrines. They need to commit themselves to right doctrines and share those right doctrines, which is why God has a church that has what? Has doctrines, has the truth, has sound doctrines. That's what our candidates are being baptized in. This is what they're making their commitment to. To be a church that God raised up for the very purpose to shed light, sound doctrines to the world because most of what the world believes, it's a mixture of truth and error, isn't it? But air will never do you any good. But it can bring a lot of harm. Now, notice our message, part of our message. Now, I don't have the first angel's message up here, but I have number two. Revelation 14, 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Who's Babylon? The fallen churches of Protestantism. You see, when we start preaching this message in 1840, began preaching this, or really 1844, the second angel's message, the Church of Rome had been a fallen church for over a thousand years. 
it had already been preaching false doctrines. These are the fallen churches of Protestantism that didn't accept the light when it came to them, and they hung on to unsound doctrines. They didn't have to. They chose to. And then they became fallen churches. And the wine is what? These are her unsound doctrines. And her her unsound doctrines is making the world drunk spiritually. So that they're not sure how to think. They're kind of unstable in their thinking about spiritual things because of wrong doctrine. God brought us up in this world to help people get sober. Not just in our temperance work, but in our understanding of the Bible. To sober up, to be sober-minded in the end of time, because there's a, I'm telling you, there are things going to happen that haven't happened yet in our world, but they're coming. And we need to be sober, we need to have sound doctrine, so we can understand the scenes that are taking right in front of us, why they're taking place, where they're heading. And we need soundness. That's why God raises us up, to be a, a church of sound doctrine. Notice what the fourth or third angel says here. If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Why does God mention these things? What's the mark of the beast? Sunday worship. Sunday sacred or Sunday, the Sunday law itself. Sunday worship. When the Sunday law is passed. Hasn't passed yet. What's the image of the beast? Combining church and state, believing that somehow the state needs to initiate religion, right? And the worship of the beast would be, well, that's the mark of the beast. The worship of the beast would be kind of comparable to spiritualism. Because if you're not worshiping God and you're worshiping a creature, even if you're worshiping yourself as a creature, that ultimately is what spiritualism is, right? And God mentions these things because they represent what? Unsound doctrine. Unsound thinking. But notice how serious they are. If people hang on to these, what's going to happen? They're going to experience the wrath of God. So is doctrine important? God raised us up not just to preach the truth, but to unmask error. Because we don't want to see people lost. Now, God's going to mention these three things again. But look at the difference. Revelation 24. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark on their foreheads or in their hand, and they did what? Now they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's a different picture. Those who accepted these unsound doctrines experienced God's wrath. Those that rejected these unsound doctrines and accepted the truth reigned with Christ a thousand years. What a difference. What a difference. Does doctrine matter? Absolutely, doctrine matters. So, because doctrine is the foundation of how you think, what you understand to be true. And that will help, that's your building block, what you're going to build to try to understand other things. Now, we have a call to the world, Revelation 18. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of fornication. Babylon the great, these churches, right? are fallen because of unsound doctrine. And they've made the world drunk. But 
Since the 1840s, we've been preaching this with a loud voice so everybody can hear. But in Revelation 18, there's going to come a time, friends, we have to do it with a strong voice. And the difference is, is if there's a fire in a house, you're going to do that with just a loud voice or a strong voice? A strong voice. You've got to get out of that house. It's going to fall. It's going to collapse on you. You're going to burn in there. And that's about where we're at. We've been doing this with a loud voice for over 100 years. But we're coming to a time it has to be done with a strong voice. Because there's going to come a time it's just simply not safe to listen to unsound doctrines from weekend to weekend. People won't have much time left to study what's true if they keep hearing what's false. And this is our work, is to present truth. This is why they're making their commitment today not to the Methodist Church, but to the Adventist Church. To commit themselves to be part of a movement that has to exist in this world so people aren't lost. They're saved. Now, so why did God raise this up? He doesn't need just another church. There's plenty of churches out there that have truth and error. He raised this up so there'd be a church that what? didn't teach any here. Isn't that? Does he deserve to have such a church? Absolutely. Every church should be like that. We wouldn't even exist if the Protestant churches had accepted this message. We'd still be in their communions, one or the other. But he raised this up because they rejected these truths. But he still needed a people who did it because God doesn't want anybody lost. And he needed a church of sound, sound doctrine. Now, the, our high calling, I put these purposely in this order. What is our calling? We've been talking about true doctrine versus falsehoods. But your first responsibility isn't to go out there and tell everybody that they're wrong on this, this, and this. Our first responsibility as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, the first thing is to choose to be like Jesus. Isn't that right? Our first responsibility is to cooperate with divine agencies to have the restoration of God's image in the human soul. Our first responsibility is to become a reflection of the image of Jesus Christ. Because when you have that, then you'll do number two and three in the right spirit. And even before number three of telling people what they believe isn't right, the best thing to do is to simply tell them the truth. So if he believed in the immortality of the soul, and I says, you know, Thessalonians talks about how, this is beautiful, Ron, how when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ rise first. Now he's thinking, boy, I don't remember hearing that before. That doesn't fit into my concept. And then we who are alive will be caught up with them. And you share another verse like that. And what are those verses? There's just simply truth. I didn't tell him what he believed was wrong. I just shared truth. And from sharing truth, he's starting thinking, hmm, well, how does how do the dead in Christ rise first at the second coming if they went to heaven or hell right away? And that's really the best way. Your best thing of reaching people, first of all, is to be like Jesus. Commit yourself, consecrate yourself to Christ in the morning. But then when you go out and meet people, what you're looking for, you're not trying to hear what they believe that's not right. You're trying to listen for something they say that is right. And then you agree with them. 
I believe that too. Isn't that a better way to start a relationship? And then you can go from there. Find an area of agreement because not everybody believes. You're not going to find a person that everything they believe is what? Is wrong. It's a mixture of truth and error. Find the truths that they say. Begin there as you witness to people. And as you share the truth, it will give exposure to the air. And at some point, you may have to just be right on, not confrontational in a bad way, but just share the truth, right? Just share the truth. So God raised us up, first of all, he needs a people to reflect the image of Jesus and a people who have right doctrines, and they go out to the world with those right doctrines, and then that will give exposure to the unsound doctrines that is making people drunk spiritually and they can't quite think right spiritually to make right decisions. Does that make sense? Because, you know, that's what really what Jesus did. When Jesus was here, did he go out and just tell people where they were wrong? What did he do? What was the main first thing Jesus did? To show us the Father. To show us what God's ideal was for the human race. He put upon himself our sinful flesh, but empowered by the Holy Spirit, he lived the life that Adam and Eve should have always lived. Is this right? And so that was his first responsibility, to show us what life is. How he saw people, how he treated people. That was his first responsibility, to show us what God truly is like, his Father's life. And then Jesus would do what? What was number two? He'd simply share the truth. He'd have a crowd of thousands of people, and he could have said, you know, his sin is this, and you do this, and you do that. But instead he'd say, the kingdom of God is like this. And the kingdom of God is like this. He was teaching them what? Truth about the kingdom. And then people were listening. They thought, but I think like this. I don't think like that. If the kingdom's like that, then I what? Then I need to be like that. And I got to start thinking like that. And so he would share them the truth. And people were attracted to Jesus, number one, because he was just like the Father. He was living a sinless life. No one had ever seen a person live a sinless life before. And number two, he kept talking about truth. Talking about things people hadn't heard. And then there were times where Jesus would come out and say, that's just not right. But that was number three. But this is why we have doctrines. And this is why we kind of we follow this order. Now, I want to kind of conclude with just showing that our doctrines are really tied, and that's the reason for the title, Doctrines in the Second Coming. Because ultimately, all our doctrines are tied to things that are going to come to an end here. The second coming of Christ will be the end of the world as we know it. When Jesus comes, the buildings you see here, you'll never see these kinds of buildings again. Not these ones. They'll all be destroyed. But think about things that have to do with the end, that have to do with our message. Number one, the fact that we're the what church? We are the remnant church. What's a remnant? That's the last. That's the end of a bolt, right? I mean, just in who we are means that we are the church of the last. And of the seven churches, we're number, we're number seven. We started as number six. <laughs> well, I understand. Number one, you're correct. In that. <laughs> Don't want to give against the elder here. So, <laughs> but we started as Philadelphia, right? Our pioneers. We become, we are latest. There's not an eighth church. And we got to tell the world, there's not going to be a thousand years of peace. 
on the earth. No, it's, this is coming to an end. Jesus is coming. There's going to be seven last plagues. This is it. And this is the church that has the sound doctrine. And it's the last church. And then we're preaching about Jesus' ministry. He's already come as a lamb. And then when he ascended into heaven, he went up to the, the holy place and became our high priest there. But he's doing something that ends something. He's now in the last phase of his ministry. You see how our message is about last things. And when Jesus finishes his work in the most holy place, every case is decided. The last person, no pun here, but the last person makes their decision for or against the seal of God, right? And when that's done, he walks out of that most holy place and is prepared to come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm telling you, that's the end of something. Our message is about how things are coming to an end, but it's the glorious beginning of something else. Isn't that right? And then death itself for God's people. Do you know that God's people, when Jesus comes, they'll be resurrected, the, the, the dead in Christ rise first? They'll never see death again. There's no, there's a, that's an end of death now. End of suffering for God's people. No more. That's a good message. To be a remnant church, the last church, with a message about how things are coming to an end, but with a glorious beginning of new things. That's why we're here, right? So let's just think about a little bit about some of the doctrines we have. The doctrine of God. Think about the privilege we have and how these relate to the second coming. Seventh-day Adventist. Before Jesus returns, the world needs to worship God as their creator. Is that right? What a privilege. But most of, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of the world doesn't believe there is a creator. Don't even believe there's a God. But God says, you know, I need a people who have sound doctrine. And one of the most important things you'll ever do in this world as a church of sound doctrine is to tell the world that there is a creator. He's the designer. And you have a purpose in life because he designed you just the way you are. He knew you before you were ever born. He's got an eternal purpose for you. And we have the privilege to tell the world that. And then we have the privilege with the Son to tell them that Jesus is in the most holy place doing his last work. And for most of Christianity, the last time they saw Jesus, he was was on the cross. And then he was resurrected and he ascended into heaven at the right hand of God. And then most people don't know what to say about Jesus after that. But we know exactly what Jesus is doing. Since his ascension, he went into the most holy, he went into the heavenly sanctuary. And first to minister in the holy place and then the most holy place. He's doing a special work. The judgment started with a, with a corresponding work of trying to cleanse us from sin. What a, what a special work that God is doing. Jesus is doing right. We know that. It's our privilege to tell the world. It's a truth. It's a doctrine. One of the most important doctrines of the Adventist church is the sanctuary doctrine. It teaches us the gospel. It's teaching us what Jesus is doing right now. It tells us about a judgment, right? And how to get ready. I mean, just about everything we believe is found right there in the sanctuary. And then the Holy Spirit. What do we have to say about the Holy Spirit? I mean, some people think there's going to be another thousand years of peace. But we're saying, no, 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 no. What's coming is the latter rain. 
And the word latter is the same as what? Last. Because if you're not part of the latter rain and part of getting this work finished, probation's going to close and then the Holy Spirit's going to be what? Withdrawn. Oh, this is the time to be born again. This is the time to walk in the Spirit, right? This is the time to know the work of the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to be to have received a, a greater baptism of the Spirit, which is based on two things. How much do you really want to be like Jesus? And are you willing to be in His service? So if I wake up in the morning and I choose to be like Jesus and I choose to be used in His service, then I'm going to receive the power of the Spirit. But if I wake up in the morning and I don't choose to be like Jesus and I don't want to share Jesus, then why be empowered? It's all proportional. How much do you really feel your need for Him and choose to be like Him? And how willing are we to share the truth that we have freely received? And if we're willing to do those things, you will receive more and more and more of the Holy Spirit as you desire these things more and more. It's all proportional. The doctrine of man. Do you know that because we're talking about the end of things, that there's going to come a time when the last human being will make a decision for or against the seal of God? They're making a choice between the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And there will be a last person who will make a decision. Now that brings up the whole concept of accountability. We're a church that believes that the Bible teaches a sound doctrine that everybody has the power of choice. But not everybody believes this. The Reformed churches say you're either predestined to be lost or predestined to be saved. And you don't have any choice in it. Some will say once saved, always saved. But you always have a choice. And this is why you want sound doctrines because sound doctrines affects your choices and you're accountable for your choices. So you want to know the truth so you can make all the right choices in life. And the Sabbath Sunday, yeah, it is a difference of a day. But it has to do with authority. Whose authority do we recognize? God, Sabbath, or Sunday, which is established by man? It's an authority issue. And we need to help people understand that. That when you're making this choice, you're choosing whose authority you recognize. And you have to make a choice. The doctrine of salvation. Wow. First angel's message, take with a loud voice, preach the everlasting gospel to the whole world. But what is the gospel? The gospel could be boiled down into this. Understanding the relationship between two things. The Ten Commandments and the sinless life of Jesus. For the Jewish nation, they accepted the law, but rejected Christ. That affects their doctrine. That affects their thinking. Because how do you keep a law without the Messiah? You can't do it. And throughout the Christian world, they believe that the commandments were nailed to the cross, but they still believe in the sinless life of Jesus. And that affects your thinking. Because you think, if all I do is believe in Jesus, I don't, have to, I don't have to obey the law. I don't have to obey God's commandments. 
as long as I just believe. And it affects people's thinking. What God needs is a people who believe in both. And when they look at those Ten Commandments, they say, you know, I look at those, it's perfect. I could never do that. But then I look over here and I see Jesus. And I see someone who put on my sinful flesh and by the power of the Holy Spirit kept every one of those. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at those Ten Commandments. I could never do this by myself. But if, if Jesus lived in me, then I could do it. Because he already kept them perfectly in my fallen humanity by the same Holy Spirit that I could have. The world needs to hear this. The world absolutely has to hear this. Let's move on. I think I just got two more slides. The doctrine of the church. We're the remnant. And as the remnant, we do follow the other things in the church or in the Bible, sound doctrine. Part of the sound doctrine is baptism by immersion, which we're going to have today. Pastor Martin will do that. And these doctrines read by Ron. The Lord's Supper. And foot washing was all part of Bible doctrine, isn't it? And we need to continue to follow that. It's all part of, it affects our thinking. And of course, spiritual gifts. Everybody has a spiritual gift. We've got to make sure we don't focus on one, the spirit of prophecy. Though that is one of the identifying marks of us as the remnant. But there are other gifts. Of preaching and teaching and, and sharing and works of helps and administration, they all are part of the body of Christ to help us come to maturity for that harvest when we're all ready to go to heaven. And lastly, the doctrine of Christian faith. You know, part of what the Bible teaches us is not just theological issues, but about real-life issues. About stewardship. Oh, we got to be careful not to just simply build bigger barns, Right? If you got multiple millions of dollars and you're just putting it away for yourself, it'll come back in the judgment. God blesses us to bless others. That's part of stewardship. Healthful living, our, our, I mean, think of the times we live right now. Heart disease is up, cancer's up, all these things. We got COVID. We've got all kinds of things that's inflicting the human family. And God says, I need a church that can help people boost up their immune system. And help them be healthier and fight these things off. And then education. Let me just end with this. I was doing an evangelistic series down in Brazil. And I went into a library. And almost all the books were in Portuguese. And I don't know Portuguese. But I found an English book. It was by Sutherland. On this wonderful college called Madison. Madison College. And he wrote in the beginning of that book. He said. He says the reason the Lord didn't come back in 1888 or since. Is because. We haven't had enough true education. And I thought about it, and at first I didn't even believe it. But then I thought about, what's true education? What is true education? Okay, he's pointing to the Bible. That's true. But true education would have to at least include this. And this is a Bible doctrine. And it's something the Adventist church believes in, right? Is that everybody needs to be able to think for themselves. You can't simply be a follower of other men's thoughts. And you have a Bible that God made available for the common man to understand for himself. And the reason Jesus hasn't come yet, not enough people are thinking for themselves. 
Because individual growth comes from individual effort. It's part of the great Protestant principle of individualism. That you are alone accountable to God. And if you make yourselves available every day in the school of Christ, you'll be learning something new every day. And if you make yourself available in the school of Christ, there will be a new work for you to do each each day. To somehow help some suffering human being. It's all about education. We were not born knowing how to reach people or help people. That's a lifelong education. But if you live the rest of your life from now on and saying, I'm going to improve myself by God's grace and the study of his word, to be a person who doesn't have to be taught by someone else. I'll be able to think for myself because in the end of time, you're going to have to make decisions for yourself. And in the judgment, that's all you're accountable for. When God has a movement of people, because that's what our pioneers were, against all the opposition of the other churches, they said, no, I'm going to stick with the Bible. And the only reason they did that is they were independent enough to know that they were accountable to God. God's given every one of us a wonderful mind. We need to ennoble it every day. And in this baptism, this is a beginning of becoming a member of this church. It's a beginning of ennobling your mind to, to do everything you can. You're almost making a commitment to be the best person you can be to help this Seventh-day Adventist church and God's work move forward. Because we haven't arrived yet. There are still people who need to come into this church to help to get it done. And we're thankful that you've made a commitment to dedicate all of who you are and your talents to the proclamation of sound doctrine and to the uplifting of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a commitment. There's no higher commitment a person could make in this life. So, at this time, we are going to have a special music.